Welcome to the Boyd Meets World podcast. It's been a week, so I owe y'all a guest, and I brought in two of the best ball busters I know, uh, my college cronies, Phil Smeraldo and Quinn Sterling. We'll talk about the unofficial burial of the Seattle Seahawks, unload way too much praise on Mike Hopkins and UW basketball. Uh, We'll try and put our finger on why we hate the Patriots so much, preview the Super Bowl, and much, much more. Enjoy it. Quinn and Phil, who just took breaks from looking at the high yield bond index and calamari tastings, respectively. <laughs> Am I right, gentlemen? Ciao. Yeah. Hey, how are you? Uh, good to talk to you guys. Uh, we missed the pod last week, so I was low key hoping for the Seahawks to fire more people than they have uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, particularly half their fans would have been nice if, if they, they all got fired <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> Well, we're here to talk about a bunch of different things today. Um, never talked Seahawks in the pod before. I think we've got a lot of built-up angst to do it. So let's just get right into it. Uh, the Seahawks basically died this season, uh, went 9-7 and seven and missed the playoffs by just a game, but it was much darker than that. My question to you guys is, is what was the, the darkest, most bleak moment of, of this Seahawks season for, for you guys? I think I can answer that. I know what it was for me. So I think a lot of times back when – I don't know if it was just because we were good or if football was more fun. You know, the Seahawks used to be – and I think you guys are the same way. The Seahawks used to be an all-day event for me. I would wake up in the morning. I'd watch the first early games. I'd follow along with, like, the up-to-the-minute takes on, like, who's going to be in, who's going to be out, who's hurt, who's injured. The whole day was dedicated to the Seahawks. And this year, I remember very, very clearly the game against Jacksonville. I turned on the game at 1 o'clock. I had done no prep. I know nothing. I watched the first quarter, and then I decided, you know what, I'm not even going to watch this. I'm going to go do some, like, grocery shopping or something like that. Because to me, it wasn't even worth the time to watch the team anymore. It wasn't worth the investment that I had put in. It wasn't worth doing, giving up the rest of my Sunday for. And as I was driving to the grocery store, you know, I still put it on the radio. But I was just realizing, man, look how in the last three years, look how less enthused I've become. And I don't think it's all to blame on the Seahawks. I think there's a lot of um, general NFL angst. I think it's no secret that the ratings are down in the NFL. But the Seahawks have just become such a less exciting product. And that, that was kind of when I realized it, that I'd rather go do chores than watch the Seahawks. So, so you got old and you're blaming it on the Seahawks. Well, I don't even think it's that. I think the product has gotten so much worse. I mean, it's. I don't think it's a secret. I, I mean, do you agree? Well, I think part of that, Phil, is that uh, this is a lot of people say about will say about their teams is that the most fun a team always is is like on the come up. Right. You know, first championship is always the best. So they were so much fun in 2013, you know, 2012 when they were like getting really good, but. You know, and I think that's I, there wasn't. I wouldn't point to one exact time this year when it was darkest for me. I would just say just the slow, um, just like degrading of season after season. I mean, it started in we won the Super Bowl, but then the next year we started on the two I mean, yard line. Should have should have lost the the NFC Championship game. We have that miracle comeback, and then we do lose in painful fashion in the Super Bowl. And then, and then it's just slowly gotten worse because we lost in the, the next year. 
to who was it that we lost to the next year? Was it that was Carolina? I think it was a it was Carolina. It was Carolina, we got blasted, and we should have lost. And this, we should have lost to Minnesota. The game with before Blair Minnesota. Walsh, yeah, yeah, that was Blair Walsh missing the thirty yard kick. So it's 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 not. I mean, we've just seen this this coming for a while. It's just been this. I mean, keeping the same team and just slowly gotten progressively a little bit worse, a little bit worse until this season. It just kind of hit the. It hit the bottom, yeah. the proverbial. Yeah. Because, and then with all the, and then add to that, you knew that that this team, how they, when they got great, is because of the, you know, how bashful they play, you know, the bravado they played with, and they would be. You knew that was going to come back. And they tell them. you about it, but you knew that that type of team, well, they weren't going to go down quietly. Like they're not just going to start losing, and everyone's going to be like, oh, it's fine. You know that there was going to be like. It's going to be exactly what happens in fighting. Where Earl Thomas Players wants to go fighting. to the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. Coaches are Stuff fighting. Like it's just like exact. It just was going to go down in flames, and that's kind of what we saw. This that's kind of a trademark of Pete Carroll's tenure at every place he's been. Every place he goes, he burns bright, and then, you know, <laughs> yeah, the the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long yeah. as they say. Yeah, well, yeah. they play with a lot of emotion and. Yeah. Quinn for a second there he said slow and he kind of paused and I for sure thought he was talking about Eddie Lacy and that's 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 what I was, that's what I was going to point to is every single Eddie Lacy carry for for two yards or less uh, was kind of the, the moment for me yeah I, I think the, the the point there about kind of the the disease of me the disease of more Pat Riley talks about it a lot once once you kept bringing back the same team over and over and kept trying to make that work I feel like it was just it was bound to happen you look at the teams that are that are about to play in the Super Bowl in two weeks. The the Eagles are pretty much an upstart um, in kind of that same vein of, of what the Hawks were a couple years ago. And then the the, the, the Patriots, other than the, the guy that you know at the top at number wearing number twelve, everything's new. They always bring in new mm-hmm. guys. They cycle keep it fresh. Stars. Yeah, exactly. Once once a guy is too expensive, they they they, they recycle them and, and and get something yeah. for him. And, and I was talking to Quinn that. about that. Yeah, that's kind of the hallmark of Belichick's, you know, legacy is that he always cuts the guy before or cuts the guy loose, whether it's by via trade or not resigning him or whatever, or just actually cutting him. He always cuts him loose a step before everyone else does, before they get too expensive or before they get injured or before they get too old. Right. And that's always been his hallmark. And that's, I think, why they are so detestably good all the time. Yeah, we'll get into that that detestation there. Um, it was it was pretty symbolic though. I think the uh, when the Rams came into CenturyLink and essentially did did the bane when he just goes into <laughs> goes into the stadium and blows it up. I feel like that was that was exactly what happened to CenturyLink in the forty two to seven game. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, uh, I think another thing with another thing with the with Lacey, I guess just kind of the uh, the more general point is that when they when this regime first got here and they would kind of do things the other way, you know, mm-hmm. differently than people had done it before do with this late draft picks and getting people that are along. Sometimes they had, they did kind of the money ball thing where people where they'd get guys who were falling down drafts because they had some weird thing with them or they had some, um, some, you know, not, criminal yeah, past yeah. or something like that. So they were able to get him higher. And then this past year or the past two years, it seems like those tricks that they've tried to play that worked so great have just been terrible. I mean, everyone well, they, knew they, they've had some fell. hits. They've had Frank Clark, who was, you know, he fell yeah. because of obviously domestic issues, but uh, he probably should have been a first rounder and he's played like a first rounder. So it's not like they've mm-hmm. lost their mojo, so to speak. I don't but think, a lot I think of they those, still can a lot find of those guys have, been, have not what they've been in the past. I mean, right, they, yeah. Malik McDowell, we trade down and get him. Like he's gonna, he's had off the field issues, and then yeah, Jerry's still out on that guy though. Malik McDowell, he, he, he could, he could, he could come. Yeah. he's gonna be amazing at the uh, the ATV Monster Truck Rally uh, <laughs> in, in next year's uh, Tacoma Dome Rally. It's it's 
He's got It'd be pretty interesting to see like what actually happened. So they said it was concussion, a, such a bad concussion that it knocked him out for a whole year. It, which is possible, but that's great. Yeah, I know. I just had never heard of something like that happening before. That's... Yeah, it's not impossible, but the, the the amount of mystery that was around it—if it was just a concussion—I think that they would have yeah. kept you in the loop of how things are going week to week. I think it was it was more of like a, a actual brain like well not, a concussion is a brain injury yeah. but like a true traumatic brain injury where uh, he was diagnosed immediately as being out for the season because that's not how a concussion works is you just keep going back week to week essentially and monitoring the symptoms. Yeah, he pays his taxes though. Absolutely. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> so trying to figure. Out, I'm trying to figure out what that meant that I remembered. Yeah, trying to figure out why this season was such a disaster. We got into it um, a little bit there of, of trying to pinpoint it exactly, and we've got some some pretty good threads there. Uh, specifically with 2017, there's there's kind of this police lineup of of culprits. Uh, the George Fant injury before the season starts. Chris Carson it looks like he's your running back, um, you know, of this season and maybe of the future, and he's out in, in what week three. The DB injuries, uh, scramble Russ Wilson, who just became a joke. I mean, the, that whole offense became a joke. If we're just trying to point pinpoint this particular season going wrong, is there, what can we say is, is the definitive reason or one of them? Um, I, just, I think – I mean, it's hard to say because football is such a symbiotic sport where A relies on B, relies on C. But I guess if, if you're looking for the weakest link in that chain – I think the hallmark in the trade uh, in the in the in the calling card of the Seahawks has always been their defense, and the defense looked so pedestrian, so average this year. And I don't know if that was ju- you can blame that all on injuries. I don't know if it's guys losing a step. I mean, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright played really good football, but um, you know, obviously there were issues in the secondary. Sherman going down in that Thursday night game. Chancellor going down. I think what a week later. That was the same I mean, game. Yeah. It was at the same game. Okay. Yeah. So. I mean, the secondary was not good. And the third down defense, I think we mentioned this to each other just in passing. I was always shocked, shocked when they could get off the field on third down. It didn't matter if it was third and 15. If they got off the field on third down, I was absolutely shocked. I would, half the time I'd think, oh, there's going to be a flag. But the, their third down defense was so just putrid. It was, it was, it was almost painful to watch. Yeah, I had, I'd revised my earlier point, Boyden, after Bill just said that. I, that Arizona game was the darkest point of – the season for me. There you go. <laughs> and, and that was the win too. They actually that, won the game. That might have yeah. just ended our season. Yeah. Oh, you're you're saying that not not the one where we actually lost at the end of the season, the one where there no, was no the win night, the Thursday yeah. night where we lost all the where it was like a joke. People were like, literally, this is like a joke. It was like every play, and there was someone was one of our best players was going down. Yeah, uh, and Russell Wilson almost went down, but had enough of that real quick in the uh, the, the Vico Den, which is my favorite thing Bill Simmons has ever said. <laughs> Uh, hey, are you mad at are you mad at Russell Wilson for peddling like that recovery water stuff that he says is why he doesn't get like concussions and stuff? <laughs> Do you think that's like completely irresponsible thing to be doing? Absolutely, it's, it's yeah, it's snake oil. It's it's the, yeah. I yeah. mean, what a ridiculous thing. Yeah. Brady has the same thing though. Brady does like concussion water, right? Yeah, I mean, being behind science is just never a good good look, um, especially in 2018. Like if if you're in 1920 and trying to promote that you are selling some two-headed dog inside of this carnival tent if you just pay five dollars that's one thing but in 2018 when there's literally the internet to tell you all these things that you need to know it's it's uh it's it's pretty embarrassing but yeah it's uh, totally i relying on russell wilson to to make me proud off the field is is uh is a lost cause at this point (laughs) yeah yeah 
Robot Russ. Robot Russ. Yeah, I, I think part of the defense too, and and you know the offense just got to such a miserable point for a lot of reasons. The line was was terrible. Uh, Russell Wilson kind of interpreted that that terrible line as I have to do everything, which made it only even worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then just that the defense was not able to produce turnovers. I mean, you think about those those great Seahawk defenses. If anyone was driving, it was just kind of a matter of time before a deflection or a, a forced fumble mm-hmm. or something like that. Now these teams are, are just, you know, they're, they're, they're finishing they're, off their drives. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're bend but don't break, but then they, they don't have they, – they kind of do break because they don't force a mm-hmm. turnover at the end of it. Um, so it's the same scheme, same philosophy, just trying to, you know, play people straight up and, and not getting too exotic with blitzes. However – they're, they're not creating anything off of it and getting the ball back. So, and that puts more strain in the offense and it's just, you're doing the same things with, with not the right players anymore. Yeah. And I mean, was the offense, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to look at the stats. Was the offense really, I know the running game was horrible, but was the offense really that much worse this year than they've been in years past? I feel like they were generally putting up about the same amount of points as they usually do. Yeah, so offensive DVOA is kind of like the, the nerd stat for, for how mm-hmm. your offense is relative to, to other teams, and you guys know that. But uh, Bevel's worst season before this one, Daryl Bevel, offensive coordinator, ex-offensive coordinator, uh, was fifth last season, and now this season went down to 13th. So still in the top half of the league. Yeah, I mean, they're still an a-, a little bit above average offense. It's all and I yeah. Right, and given everything, it's kind of uh, bizarre that uh, you know that that type of performance this one time got Daryl Bevel fired, but it did. Uh, Bevel was out, offensive coordinator fired. Uh, behind him, Tom Cable, offensive line coordinator fired, uh, and then also Chris Richard, defensive coordinator fired. Um, in in from that crew was Brian Schottenheimer, uh, annual retread of the NFL. Mike Solari, the new offensive line coach, and then Ken New Norton. old. Old, old, new. New old. Yeah, new yeah. old, yeah. One of the two. Uh, and then Ken Norton Jr. is also new old or old new, uh, coming back as the defensive coordinator. So what do you guys make of, of that, those those coaching changes? Do, did any of them need to happen? Did only some of them need to happen? Or did all of them need to happen? Well, I think, I mean, the cable one is pretty obvious that it should have happened. It's been a couple of years now. I mean, the running game was, going back to that the stats from offense last year. And it was literally like the worst running game in the history of the NFL. <laughs> like they had the high no end. yards inside the 10 yard yeah, line, no was... yards rushing all season inside the 10. Yeah. And they had their lead, their leading rusher had the lowest um, amount of yards for leading rusher since like 80 to 85 season or something, which was like a, which had only a nine game season. Cause of a strike. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was just in, like impressively terrible. So and and Cable had been in charge of scouting and um, and training, drafting players. those players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, he, he's not obviously drafting so. them, but he had significant input in who, yeah. who's getting drafted so, on the line. Was, he was the one who was wanted to get defensive linemen and shit and try to turn them into. Which, to be on. fair, he actually has done a decent job at doing that. Yeah, I mean, he you did look it, at he did it with J.R. Sweezy, and then he he changed uh, what's his name um, Britt from a right guard to a center, and now Britt's a, a Pro Bowl center. So he, it's not like he hasn't had at least some track record of success changing guys around. He changed George Fant from a, from a basketball player to a left tackle we were all pretty excited about until he obviously got hurt. So I, I yeah. think he does have a track. I mean, it's not without merit him doing those types of things. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I can see why he would try, or at least think he could. I think Cable's, yeah. Cable's problem was that his, his, uh, his, his title was literally run game coordinator. And as Quinn said, because the run game 
was atrociously bad. His head kind of had to roll. Um, and we know the Seahawks yeah, exactly. fans. The, the blood, blood needed to be shed. They, there was no mm-hmm. way that they could have spun it as, oh, yeah, he's no longer the offensive of, of – or he's not the run game coordinator anymore. He's just going to uh-huh. be back and now, now in a different role. People don't think that way, and people don't people don't uh, resonate or that yeah. doesn't resonate. And if it was if it was one year of bad running game, I mean, but it's been like two two and a half seasons now of and really, and it's, that's, what, that's what Pete that's what Pete loves to do is is run the ball. Pound the, pound the ball, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've always like found firing one. coordinators and firing you know that's just that's just yeah, a warning. It's that's a warning target. sign. It's it's a it's a sacrificial lamb. And right. that means the coach is next. I mean, yeah. it's always just the big red flag right before the coach is about to get fired is get rid of your coordinators or you're gone too. And then obviously they'll do it to save their own hide. And then usually, surprisingly, it doesn't work out. I mean, maybe it will this time, but yeah. I, I don't know. I'm never usually a huge fan of that. And and so the the uh, the PR or at least the the positive spin on on the new guys bring, being brought in are that these guys will do what Pete Carroll wants, right? Brian Schottenheimer is, is, a, is kind of a, you know, he's, he's in line with that running game mentality. Think back to all those uh, Jets teams that he had that were mm-hmm. uh, playing like they're in the 1940s. And, uh, Ken, were those the Sanchez Jets? Sanchez uh, yeah. Jets. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Milk Ladinian Tomlinson for every ounce of his lower body for, for uh, the last part of his career. Um, Thomas Jones had like 1,400 yards with them. Anyways. Um, and then, and then Ken Norton is just a guy who, you know, was a linebackers coach and then got kind of promoted to the defensive coordinator role in Oakland and was pretty, but awful. he was awful. He yeah. was awful. Yeah. His, his best season was 15th in DVOA defensively. And that was his first season. So these guys have bad track track records that they're bringing in, but it's being spun as this good thing because they actually, they're more likely to just do what Pete Carroll wants them to do. And that's somehow a good thing. I, I don't. I don't get that. I don't know why why having yes men and having just guys that will um, that will keep running out the same broken system is a good thing. Am I crazy? No, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, like Phil said, it's always whenever like an, whenever an offense or defense sucks, it's always just throw the coordinator. You can fire the coordinator, but I mean, probably seventy five percent of the time, it's the players or their. The off the offensive defensive coordinators are running the scheme that the head coach wants them to run. Right? Isn't there something oh. to be said for like you can't scheme personnel? Like you, if your if your players are not good or they're injured, which I think was the case this year, or they're getting older, which is again the case this year. Jimmy Joe's is next as nose, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, the players. Look, the reality that no one wants to face is Earl's going to lose a step, or if he hasn't already. Richard's gonna lose a step. Cam's gonna lose a step. They're all gonna. They're all Cam in the process. Yeah, they're all in the process of losing a step. Cliff Averill was deaf. I mean, even before his injury this year, he was a shell of his former self. Bennett's getting older. The defense is just old, and they're paid well, and they can't really replace him with young, fresh talent right now. It's kind of just Rome crumbling a little bit on the defensive end, and I don't really think that's Chris Richard's fault. Mm-hmm. And I think he was unfairly. Uh, fired for that. I think uh, you kind of got to it of, of now you have, okay, you have all these overpaid guys who have lost a step and you can't bring in young talent. I think we all missed, or, you know, we just didn't talk about it. I'm sure you all feel the same way that the guy that whose name could have been brought up as the head to roll was John Schneider's name. 
Yeah, I mean that's a that's a real that's a real thing. I mean, I know people don't want to bring that up because he yeah. did bring this city its first championship since 19 or at least helped bring this city its first championship in, since the 1970s. Mm-hmm. But there have been some really suspect contracts that he's put out and I think it's hamstrung the team into not being able to do what they want to do. Yeah, Snyder and Pete have just have so, so much equity built up with from those Three or four good seasons that it's going to take. You know, obviously they're going to let the we're going to let the coordinators go before. You know, they're going to give John and Pete the last stand here to bring in all their new guys. This, you know, mm-hmm. everyone that they want. And if this and if it goes south now with all of Pete's guys and stuff, I mean, then then people are going to start really asking questions about. And I think contextually, it is important to remember the team wasn't. I mean, as a, there were parts of the team that were a train wreck, but as a whole. The team went nine and seven. They were one game away. One, they played the last game, hoping to get into the playoffs. It wasn't like it was just this horrible three and thirteen season where everything blew up. They still Definitely. have pieces. They still have pieces in place to be successful uh-huh. going forward. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, that's what Pete is. The thing about why he's bringing his people back in is because he would just he wants to get back to defense and running game. If you look at the, look at Sunday, there are three out of the four teams can't really play a lick of offense. Mm-hmm. since Carson mm-hmm. Wentz left. I mean, they had the, all those teams have really good defense and uh, and a really good running game, and they were able to get to the champion, get championship games with Bortles, Keenum, and Foles. Yeah. yeah so, it, that, I mean, that's why Pete, Pete wants to do that. It, it, there's, a, there's a case to be made that the, the Seahawks are a couple moves away uh, from a personnel standpoint because clearly they've, they've done all their, their coaching swaps um, to get there. I'm asking, you know, Quinn as kind of the, the rational head, and Phil, you're the agent of chaos. That's the reason. Uh, <laughs> okay. What, what do you think can be done from a from a personnel standpoint to, uh, or maybe not even a personnel standpoint of just kind of overall upheavals to uh, to fix the franchise and because I, I I think we would all agree based off of our conversations that this this Hawks team is kind of trending downward. Um, so oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. How, how do you flip that arrow upside down? I mean, the tough thing is, I don't think there's any, unless they trade away some of those big contracts, I mean, those guys are going to be on the team. Unless so, I think they, I, I think they I'll, can I'll cut. Do a, I'll do a little Cam can be gone. Thing, right? Cam can be gone. Earl, they can let Earl go, I believe, right? I'm they can sure. cut Sherman, too. They can, I mean, Sherman getting cut this offseason some of them have big, real some possibility. Some of them have big enough pay, like, a hit to the cap that they're never going to cut him, though. Sherman? Uh, a couple of them do. Yeah, I know. I know a couple of them do, but I think Sherman this year, and I've seen a couple of people on the fringe, on the outside, the you know the fringe movement, where I like to live my life. Um, <laughs> they've been advo- they've been advocating for that, um, and I think uh, it's not a bad idea. The team has to get younger, and I think Sherman well, coming off of, during the season. Right, and I think they should have. He's going to come. He's been coming off of a of a of an injury that's yeah. going to make him lose a lot of explosiveness, and he's going to be paid fifteen million dollars a year if they keep him. I don't know if that's necessarily worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know what kind of haul they could get back for him after being injured. Right. I was just about to say, what's scary is that I think they kind of missed the window to, to trade Sherman. Yeah. Uh, think def- about what the the Patriots were able to do, and and, and the, you know they they scooped Daryl Revis up on the cheap, but but um you know the guys like that have a have a kind of a peak value, and once you miss that, uh, it's hard to get back from. Uh huh. Right, but it's only going to get worse as time goes on. I think you just have to bite the bullet right now and do what you can. Yeah. I mean, you'd like to see him maybe come back and play a few good games to start the season to then maybe make a move. But mm. yeah, it's, I think a lot, I think you just have to bring in, 
young guys to um, for those guys to mentor and those guys to be able to take a load off those the older guys' shoulders. I mean, when we were good in, two, in 2013, you know, there well, we had a, a defensive line that would rotate like nine guys. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those not, guys were that, very not, probably old. not just that the guys are old, but they lack depth, so they have to play. I'm sure they play every snap in practice when they're not injured, and they have to play every snap. Bennett's out there playing; he's 32, whatever years old, playing 90 percent of the snaps. That mm-hmm. I remember, they yeah, when they were good, they had McDaniel and McDonald, and they had Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill, and they had so many guys on that on Red fresh on the D line. Yeah, Red Bryant as a run stopper. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, even that guy, Bruce Irvin. All those guys, they would yeah, all rotate. Exactly. But as those young guys, you know, got better, that teams po- poached them away from us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now yeah, the, exactly. and they've been a little bit, they haven't been as drafted as well the past two or three seasons, so it's kind of showing with the lack of depth. Yeah, I, I think I think nailing this draft is huge. Um, if, if, you, if you're John Schneider, that's that's how you keep your job and how you're not next, I feel like, is, is kind of, you know, once once the coordinators are all set, uh, nailing this draft. But the problem is is that you're not going to know if you nail this draft for a while. For um, three more years, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so it's it's a it's a precarious position. I think I think it's kind of I was thinking is you got to play to get not – not 10 wins or 11 wins this next season necessarily, but to get 20 in the next two years, because I feel like this team could go all out and go 10 and six this season and kind of expend everything and then be set up for, you know, a seven failure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, but if you're playing for the, the 20 wins over the next two years that you might be doing some different things um, to make sure that that happens. So that's a good this, point. This, yeah. Yeah. It's just this different perspective that the Hawks have to take. And, uh-huh. and I think that, there's kind of this immediate gratification um, movement. And that's, to to be honest, I didn't like the the trade for the left tackle um, that they made. I mean, they just spent draft capital and Mm. that guy's probably a one-year rental. That was an example of a panic move, I think. And that's not looking for two years, 20 wins in two years. That's looking for right now. Right. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just unfortunate that you're, you know, you're paying $10 million for a left tackle when, if you just agreed to do that with Russell Okung three years ago, then you're not in this problem yeah. where you're trade, trading mm-hmm. picks. Dwayne sure. Brown is really good, though. Yeah, he was good. The line got waved once he got there. D- despite the sleeves look, he's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my question, though, is is all these things can be true. The Hawks can nail this draft. And we might still be screwed. Uh, looking up and down this division, the, the Rams – came out of nowhere i don't think they're going anywhere as long as they can keep aaron donald uh continue to you know they have a great coach in place garoppolo and shanahan Uh, is he a great is he a great coach though everyone was saying the exact same thing uh no um mcveigh everyone was saying i remember it's like deja vu everyone was saying oh ben mcadoo the next offensive genius the next guru because the giants went 10 and 6 last year and now he's out on his ass this year. But then he changes. I, just, I, think, I think it takes. I think it takes more of, of a of a whole portfolio of seasons to to say you're a great coach than one good year, which admittedly McVay did have. This is true, but I think I think McVay did things on offense this season that would make McAdoo's head spin. Yes, but I'm just putting in a narrative out there yeah. that you know McVay, everyone was kind of saying McAdoo was was the next big thing in New York because he mm-hmm. re- helped revitalize uh, Eli's career. And, you know, he got the de- – or I guess he got the defense playing pretty good last year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and then yeah. this year, you know, a couple of bad things happened. They have uh, 
couple injuries, a couple of, you know, I think Eli Apple was the guy who was kind of the, the, the instigator in their locker room. And then all of a sudden it's just absolute pandemonium and he's out. Oh, I think the point is that those yeah. other two, the Rams and the Niners are in an upward trajectory and we're in a downward trajectory. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I would agree the other with thing that. too is the the Cardinals have a have a solid to decent infrastructure and just don't have a quarterback and now that Carson Palmer is no longer gonna affect their um they're not like stuck in the Carson Palmer purgatory. Mm-hmm. It's it's possible that they can go out and get Kirk Cousins and maybe mm-hmm. change that, and all of a sudden they're a real threat. You know what? I'm hearing the rumor, and take this as just a rumor, but I'm hearing that Pat Shermer these are your and sources? Case Keenum. Yeah, these are my sources. But it would make a lot of sense for them, I think. If you what know, did he say about Pat Shermer? Did he just? Ba- but, well, Bruce Arians is obviously yeah. out, so Pat Shermer and uh, Case Keenum as a package deal coming over from Minnesota to Arizona is not the craziest yeah, he thing I've heard. Named, and I think like, it could. just got named like an hour ago to the head coach of. He's uh, oh to who? The Titans, maybe. Somebody. Sure. No. Uh, yeah, I think Mike Vrabel. Vrabel's, Vrabel. Vrabel's the Titans coach. I just saw something. Shermer. I want to be interested to see where he got named head coach because I thought it would be Arizona. That'd make a lot of sense. Yeah, that could be. It's one some. I I think the the Cardinals promoted the. Um the Carolina Panthers like defensive backs coach or something to their to their head coach Shermer just got hired by the the Giants Giants the Giants oh, wow. yeah Shermer, yeah huh. interesting yeah well but still, the Case Keenum Eli remains, Manning quarterback controversy is riveting. yeah point remains is I think a, a, a quarterback like Case Keenum could yeah like you said their infrastructure is there they've kind of got the same problem the Seahawks do though is their their defense is getting older and and you know Peterson isn't as good as he once was, even though he's still very good. And um, mm-hmm. I guess they do have our guy Buddha, but um, yeah, they're they're kind of on. I think their arrow is either pointed downwards as well, or at least stagnant. Pointed yeah, sideways. the thing is, the thing is that like with an older team, I mean, you're just hoping for a little bit of a luck. Cause, I mean, I don't think we're we were not. If that whole defense stays healthy. Now, let's say Cam's probably done playing, but uh, let's say you have McDougal, Earl, Sherman, Shaq Griffin, Bobby Wagner, Cliff, or uh, right KJ. I mean, that's <laughs> that's still a pretty good team. Sheldon Richardson, yeah, and Bennett, and, Frank I mean, Clark, yep. and that team was all healthy at the beginning of the season. I mean, people were saying this is our best defense since 2013. Yeah, so yeah I remember that. Yeah, before those guys go down, we're, they have a, a good team, so it's just. I don't know how you – it's hard in the NBA, you can just not play guys for 20 games if they're old and not get them injured. But in the NFL, you don't really have the luxury. I don't know how yeah. they manage. They have to come up with some way to – even though Pete – and they built this thing on, like, guys going hard 100% in practice every single day. I don't know how you they give them somehow some manage, manage to keep these guys healthy every Sunday. Because if they're there, that defense – I think that defense can still be good for, for a year or two. Yeah. But can whether you, they can, can you tell Braden to stop – can you tell Braden to stop striking iron in your guys' backyard right now? Uh, I think that's, that's Phil. Like... That's not me. I hear really? hearing that in the background too. No, that's not. That's, Boy, that's definitely you. not on my end. Certainly not me. There's, there's not this, this. Is it, uh, is it prayer? Is it Tom Brady prayer right time in Boston or something? Or people? <laughs> I was hearing that too. I was wondering what that was. I do live in an entire building of potential Pats fans. Uh, <laughs> they they smoke a lot of, of weed though, which is which is uh, kind of I feel like retrograde to what Tom would would believe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who, kn- who knows though I haven't, I haven't read the manual uh, I think 
bottom line, Seahawks are in a very precarious position. This season should be fascinating from an outside perspective. I'm not sure how fun it will be, uh, but uh, but I am t- curious to, to see how it t- plans out for, um, from like a just a kind of like a, a narrative perspective rather than a football perspective. Anyway, hey, moving on to, hey, point to on your point on your love of love of Brady real quick. Are you are you guys gonna watch the Tom <sighs> versus Time? <laughs> What is it? Oh I would God. rather shoot myself in the head than watch that. What What is this it's thing? A, it's just a documentary time. about how he's just so awesome and he's beating time by being this great quarterback and stuff. And it's because he doesn't eat nightshade vegetables. Yeah, Did you know that he doesn't eat like eggplant because he thinks they're like bad for him. Yeah, some nutritionist came out and just said that's Tom so Brady's meat- is like oh bullshit basically. <laughs> Yeah, good. Just like he doesn't get sunburnt because he can like reflect the, the yeah. light back at the sun with his skin or something like. Yeah. Who listens to this guy? It's, it's you, so like, do you think? I bet a lot of people in Boston like think this guy is God. <laughs> oh yeah. The, 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 yeah. The TB12. We'll get into this specific topic later, but the TB12 hat is just like the most. You might as well be wearing like a like a. a, a <laughs> What is it like the pentagram, the like you know satanic <laughs> yeah, mark on your forehead? Exactly. Like, yeah, that's what I see that as. Uh, yeah, it's it's absurd. Uh, anyways, talking some husky basketball, which has occupied a lot of our of our group text for for quite some time now. Ever since yeah, we love started, these guys. Kind of went. Holy shit! The this lads. team is, is is interesting. Yeah, the lads, the interesting. Can I good. can I tell um, you where the whole lads thing started from? Yeah, I was, sure. was going to just chalk it up to your general, like, foolishness, but... Uh, no, yeah, no, it's, it. it's actually got a real, like, This actually goes on, a quick it. aside here, quick, before you tell us, Phil. Okay. When Phil, this is a full circle of how Phil's, how he's a fan of sports. You know, he just told us at the beginning how he hates the Seahawks now because they're, like, nine, and we were, and we were saying, oh, when he when they're young and they're, like, underdogs and coming up, he loves them. This is why he like he probably mm-hmm. never watched a Husky basketball game before in his life. I, I will contend. I will contend this to you. I have been a Mariners fan, fervent Mariners fan, for 15 years. There has never been a come up. There has never been a come up. Never been in Mariners history. So I don't want to hear that. They've never arrived. There was one come for 15. There was one come up, and it was wearing a sideways Fernando Rodney hat. That was the come up. But no, you're right. I do like teams that are young and 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 yeah. you know they they aren't the teams that are necessarily the ones that are going to be in the public eye. I like seeing the team from point A up to you know wherever their zenith is. Yeah, watch them grow. Phil, up. Phil's going to be the yeah. guy. Phil's going to be the guy at high school basketball tournaments with a rolled up newspaper in his hand. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just, okay, just anyway. watching the development of the the young kids all the way from JV all the way up. The road. Yeah. He goes to their like fifth grade games and he's like, Timmy, I've been watching you. I remember we did that against Sammamish in fourth grade championship. So this actually goes into the story of where the lads thing comes from. There was this, um, yep. there was this, uh, I was reading the newspaper and I, I don't do that often, but I was reading this, I was reading was the sports up? section. It was a print and, or um, was it paper? It was print. <laughs> I was print. It was at the, it was wow. at the gym. It was at the gym. Oh, it was wow. at the Bellevue club Quinn. Yeah. And, and it was sitting right in the, in the middle of uh, the table, so I decided to give it a look. So anyway, I was reading like a little bit of the sports section, and there was this team. It was USA Today. There was this team that uh, from Britain, this soccer team, and they were a very, very low-level professional team um, who had just like fallen on some really hard financial times, and they couldn't afford to pay any of their players anymore, and the team was going to have to fold. And so they had to finish out the season um, for purposes of the league. 
So none of the players said we're going to play for free. So basically the team had to pick up guys off the street who were willing to just play because whatever, they loved the game or, you know, they wanted the opportunity to get back into the professional ranks. And the team had to go up against the powerhouse, the juggernaut of their league the next game. And I think they ended up losing the game like five, nothing or five nil as they call it across the pond. (laughs) And, uh, but, um, anyway, the guy in the newspaper, he was British obviously, because he was covering this. He kept saying how, how much heart the lads showed and how, how great the lads were. And, and I thought that was kind of an injury because, you know, they only lost five, nothing when they could have lost 20 to nothing. Um, and I thought that was a good parallel for this, uh, for the Huskies because they, you know, had once Romar left, they kind of had sure their whole draft class. USA today and not like the Guardian yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, no, it was USA today. And, they have a uh, section in the back where they cover the third league English premier league. <laughs> I'll, I will pull up, I will pull Page up the two. article. <laughs> but anyway, it was a good. Uh, it sounds it like USA Today just parallel. hired some some British guy from a pub and said, "We need you to write about soccer." <laughs> but you understand where I'm going with this story. It was a good parallel for the Huskies, yes, because they had their whole draft class pretty much walk out on them once Romar left, and they were really left with a bare cupboard in terms of talent. But that didn't stop them from playing hard and really showing a tremendous amount of fight. And I really appreciate that. So I always call them the lads. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Boy, I bet Markel Fultz misses college basketball. <laughs> oh my God, he would love to be playing in in, in front of three thousand people in Montlake instead of dealing with Sixers fans. Well, yeah. I don't know if he's having. I mean, maybe Anyways, he would at this point. If you have the yips, you probably wish you were. Yeah. In yeah, you wish you were in a dark hole somewhere rather than, than playing basketball at all. Uh, Husky hoops were, were 14 and six. I don't know if any of us expected 14 wins total, uh, 10 wins total this season. Uh, Quinn and I hopped on right after they beat Kansas. They've kind of held serve since then. They've beat USC, beat Colorado, um, just taking care of business for the most part other than the, the Utah game and the UCLA game. Um, but you know, Mike Hopkins has obviously brought in some, some crazy energy to the program. We're playing much better than anyone expected. There's some signs there of like super green arrow in the positive direction. Uh, but what's your favorite thing about Mike Hopkins? I've got a, I've got a couple, but there are, there are many to list. Go ahead, Phil. Uh, my favorite thing. Uh, no, you go ahead. I need to think. Actually, no, I know. I know. No, you go, you go. Go for it. Oh. <laughs> Great, great radio guys, killing uh, I think it. The, uh, the thing I like the most is just the effort that they play with. I guess because you, they has, just have their talent level on offense is terrible, abysmal. Yeah, but, but they they they're able to win games. You squeak out these games. I think they have a really good record. They're like games under five points or something like that and they have or under 10 they have a really good record in games like that and it's because at the end of games they first of all they play great defense which is a lot of defense is effort and then they they usually rebound really well they did and they shoot free throws really well yeah, at the end they of the game shoot free throws as well too so their end of we've been accustomed for the last whatever years on a room where it's kind of we would blow people out but if it, games got close we usually somehow fucked it up and that's kind of that's turned mm-hmm. the opposite way this year, which is great to see. I like when he yells. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also like how he rolls. Bigger his... about Phil, I... big picture. But... 
<laughs> he yeah. does he does a he does a quarter roll up on his sleeves he doesn't roll him up to the elbow he only rolls him up like yeah. probably to the middle of his forearm which i think is very you know, professional yet casual 10 minutes left he'll take off his jacket yeah 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 very very uh very fed up middle school teacher look you know who i liked uh, was that old marquette coach the bald fat white guy who had the most massive pit stains under his? Buzz Williams. Was, yeah, Buzz. Oh, yeah, Bu- that guy Buzz was Williams. awesome. He's 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 like looking suave as shit for Virginia Tech now. Go look yeah, at Buzz Williams. He looks nothing like you think he does anymore. Yeah, he has hair. Really? I think what? he yeah. has hair. Plus. Yeah, you got plus. He must have had yeah Bosley. Yeah, he's been hanging out with your lad Wayne Rooney and got some hair plugs. Yeah. Okay, but can I? I know it sounds. <laughs> Might have played warm. against those lads. He was probably. I, and exactly. I know it sounds. It was. I know it sounds horrible, but I need to complain about something with Husky basketball. I know everything this season's been found money, so there's really no reason to complain. But is there a worse, like more demoralizing thing to watch in all of sports than your team playing really, really great defense for 30 straight seconds, and then them throwing up some clunker off the rim, and then not being able to get the rebound? The Huskies are just so bad on the glass, and it is yeah. so frustrating to watch. And I know that, I shouldn't be complaining. Sounds but like it's that was really awful. Sounds like that was the Utah game personified. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, because they beat Colorado on the board. Um, it, yeah, they got fifty rebounds against Colorado, which is pretty nuts for a yeah. team that, that rebounds pretty well. Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely flaws. I think when you're talking about demoralizing, I, I was gonna think that a, a, a David Chris miss miss wide open three would be would be the most demoralizing thing. But hey, that's just me. Uh, my favorite thing is how he took Dominic Green and Sam Timmons and turned them into like college basketball players, serviceable which is players, crazy. Yeah. Because at the end of last yeah, at the end of last season, I I was like taking inventory and I was like, okay, you have you know Noah Dickerson if you can keep him. Matisse Thibel, and then I like how Carlos Johnson plays, and that's really it from last year's And team. Johnson really and hasn't gotten much time at all. No, he doesn't even play in half the games. Yeah, he's, he's um, fallen out of but the rotation. He, he can still like... Right, and that's another thing to love about him is that you can you can throw Carlos Johnson in, and he's so bought into the program that he goes out and gets 10 points the second half against Wazoo and wins you a game. Uh, but turning Dominic Green into Sa- and Sam Timmons into rotational pieces is is huge because you know you you needed that to happen and it's exactly what did happen um and you know i don't i don't even know think noah dickerson's been that amazing this season but he's activated him he's he got him in better shape definitely activated matisse thibault so he he didn't sulk and say oh you know let's wait until we get better players and just kind of develop these guys and and we'll see what happens he, he he came in with an attitude of okay how can i turn this team into a 21 team and then he just did it which is awesome yeah, well, the the zone has been the biggest thing for Timmons because I mean he's a big, I mean he's a six eleven seven footer, who's long, but he's not mm-hmm. that athletic and he's slow as hell. Of, of yeah, he's very slow. So if he's out on the if he's out on the perimeter and made a man trying to trying to hedge people and switch. I mean he would just gets exposed. So it's perfect for him to just sit in there and and sit in the middle of the zone and contest shots and grab rebounds. I mean that's what he's that's hey. what he. Best Quinn, possible. can I ask you? Can I ask you a basketball X's and O's questions really quick? Seems like the Say no. the forum for it. Um, so the Huskies play a two three or a, a two three zone, right? Uh huh. So, what is it about the zone? Sometimes I see that was his that was his and, question. That was it. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I see no. I'm trying to like learn about like 
you know, because I'm a pretty average basketball fan. I don't know the hardcore X's and O's like you do. Why why is it sometimes that when they go three out on the perimeter, it looks like we switch into like a three two zone almost? Do you notice that? Well, they just bring the they bring the wings really high on the like a normal two three zone that you'd think of people playing in like middle school basketball. There's two people. Yeah, that's what I'm two guys and the two guys guys just kind of go out on the the high post area or two guys on the elbows. And then there's like a line of three guys on the baseline. You know, that's your like normal, normal two, three zone, but they bring their, it's it's what Syracuse has done forever. You just bring your wings way up high so that you take away the threes. So you try to make people score from the high posts. That's basically the right. Which is kind of an interesting concept, especially in today's game. Yeah. With, so within works well a, within a zone, you're still trying to defend people. Within the zone, you're trying to yeah, defend so people? Within the zone, you're trying to defend people. Yeah, exactly. And so when you have people in that space and it continues to happen, then then you just account for that. And so I think that's part of the, the old, you know, you, you'd watch a Lorenzo Romar zone and that's what would happen is you just have guys, you have five guys in the court with their hands in the air and that, that constituted a zone. But uh, in kind of the active zone, you're you're thinking about how do you how do you get someone in front of bodies um, everywhere on the floor, and that's that's how you do it. Yeah, it's interesting because you'd think in a two-three zone you'd be vulnerable to what most a three-pointer, but we actually have a really good uh, three-point percentage against. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just interesting to see how mm-hmm. the our two-three zone is. Kind yeah, of uncommon. Cause that's because they they play such a high a high zone. Uh, it's worth well, I've learned something new. Should have listened to our podcast talking about uh, how we beat Kansas, Phil. That's all I'm saying. I did listen to that podcast. For it. You should have listened harder. And you learn nothing. <laughs> I did. <Yeah. laughs> I'm always learning. Listen, listen critically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn. All right. Uh, so, another X's and O's question is for for Quinn, and we talked about why this this offense can just be miserable sometimes. What, why does this offense look so slow and so so unable to just manufacture points um, other than other than Jalen Noel? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. They went over, I think I was here, heard on the radio or something like that, but a guy went over every single one of their games. They have a at least a three-minute stretch where they don't score a point. And if, if they started for against Colorado, four for 20. And what it really actually is, not just mm-hmm. a sign of how bad their how bad their offense is, but it's um, it's a compliment to their defense. That I mean, they'll they'll go four minutes without scoring, but they'll only be down by like six because the other team um, wasn't able to score either. But I think right. the I mean the reason that they've been, or I mean, there's a plethora of reasons. But first off, I mean they don't have a point guard. <laughs> they they have a two guard trying to to play point guard, but he's I mean. He's not a facilitator, a guy that gets in the lane and creates plays for the people. If you watch teams that do, that we've played against, like, I don't know, Holiday on UCLA or that little short guy on Utah, Bibbins, and watching those guys, like, actual floor generals mm-hmm. control the game, you can tell, um, you know, they just get the offense running way faster and get people to the spots and get them into their stuff, which he doesn't really do. The, uh, the other thing is, I mean, we just don't have a lot of guys that can create for themselves, create their own shot besides Noel. A lot of times at the end of shot clocks and at the end of game, they mm-hmm. just go, they'll go four flat and have Noel just take his guy off the dribble, which, I mean, if a freshman, he's your only guy that can, you know, create his own shot. Matisse is getting better at it. He played well against Colorado, but those guys aren't just like born scorers besides mm-hmm. Noel. I mean, Matisse is like a three, his best thing is on a really good team to be like a really good three and D guy. 
So he's getting a shot better. Right. I mean, Dom, Dominic Green is being able to hit a three is great because he wasn't able to last year and he's supposed to be a shooter. Mm-hmm. But if he could shoot, like, literally no one on the team could make a three. Crisp has been shooting terribly. Yeah. Noel, I, Noel finally it, got a little bit better, but he started off the season really bad too. I mean, it's just not a team full of people that can. Is Jalen Noel a one and done? Is he a one and done type talent? Are we going to be able to see him next year? I think he'd have to go play a lot. I mean, go crazy at the end of the season. He's not that good of a shooter. He's not that. He's not that big. If he was like six six, I think he'd probably right. be a, be gone. But since he's like a two guard, he's not a point guard, and he's only six four. And he's got a, and he's a mid range kind of that. He's yeah. kind of a weird range game that I don't think he'd. He's got to develop a little bit yep. more before he does. But I yeah, that, so. I like Jalen Noel is, is just the the. He's the exact guy that you want because of what Quinn just said. He's not he's not too big. He's not too athletic. He's not too good of a of a shooter. He doesn't have like any any crazy NBA ready skill. So it's uh-huh. it's not in his best interest to, to play. But like 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 Quinn said, if he you know goes and plays in a couple tournament games and you know gets twenty five and really shows times, well, then, yeah, you know scoring is a commodity. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's the one thing that NBA uh, looks for is go- that one NBA level skill. So if you, I mean he's probably a better college player than let's say like a Marquis Chris was, but just cause Chris can jump out of the gym. Yeah. yeah he's game. projectable oh, calling. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And that was kind of, exactly. kind of the, the, um, I don't think if you think of Romar era, I mean, this isn't that kind of what we think of these, these guys that big athletes projects that get taken that are, that can jump out of the gym or they can have one particular skill and they go to the NBA, but they're not great college players. Right. Uh, it's funny to see Justin Holiday, who is kind of the opposite of that, who has now yeah, exactly. you know, kind of blossomed with the, with the Bulls, um, dis- yeah, despite not yeah. having that that one particular skill other, other than maybe his length and athleticism. So, yeah, um, yeah good, good for him. A couple things of note: going four for twenty to start the game against Colorado is just super poetic justice. Yeah, uh, right. I was just also... about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and then. I don't think I will ever be – I'll have children someday and I'll watch them play sports, and I don't know if I'll ever be as proud of them as I was of Dominic Green canning threes against USC earlier this year. It was That was, was, that was quite amazing, quite wasn't that? Because that came out of nowhere. He was so bad last year. Yeah, he, he had not shot well throughout like, the season. In like like half of this season he was – Yeah, start of the season, yeah. Right, right. And to, to see him come, up, come out and just on fire – um, like literally not even touching rim on, on threes on the road against USC was just crazy and, and speaks to Hopkins of just how he can activate guys like that. So uh, let me, we'll, we'll kind of gloss let me ask over you, it, but outside. Okay, go for it. Go ahead. Go ahead. So let's say the Huskies, the Huskies oh, have, yeah. I don't, I don't know how many more games there they have left to play, but if they go about 500, <laughs> the rest, the rest of the way, 500 went, pick one up, lose one, drop one. Pick one up. They'd be, they'd, get uh, they'd, they'd be a 20 win team with a couple of signature wins. I mean, one definite signature win. USC is a good win. Maybe if they can pick off Oregon, uh, is that is that enough? Is that mm-hmm. enough to talk about going? Oh I yeah, think ha- I, I, I think they, it is, I, and especially because can Yeah. Go for it, bud. Yeah, Kansas. Kansas has been has gotten back to to being Kansas again, which has really helped our cause because that that's gonna look like a big win um, come come March when you're comparing resumes. Uh, but so another team that that factors into that is the team that beat Kansas right after we did, which is Arizona State. They they come in next Thursday, and if we can beat them um, and hold serve against the teams that we should beat, 
and uh, you know beat beat Utah Colorado at home you know maybe maybe go and beat Stanford I think that 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 would do it honestly and maybe maybe one or two Pac-12 tournament wins um, but but it's it's shaping up we're right yeah. now on on Joe Lenardi's next four outs um, so just a little bit more work needs to be done yeah I was gonna say about the yeah getting a tournament winner too the good thing is what if they have and that we what we haven't had in a while is a really good like road non-conference win and that we haven't had that in a long time but the issue and it's a little bit going back to um you can point to the 20 whatever season that was with tony and terrence and we won the pac-12 and didn't get in is that the pac-12 is just not very good this year freshman year <laughs> nit baby yeah <laughs> i remember that orange yeah. enough with the Pac-12 just not being as good, we might get three teams in. So I, we're going to have to – three or four teams. I think picking a game or two up in the – even if we, they get to 20 and 10, I think maybe picking a game um, up in the Pac-12 tournament is going to be what puts them over the edge or, or doesn't um, get them there. I, th- I think this would be a great year for the dogs to be uh, in a play-in game. I think that would be perfect um, is to, to get matched up against a team that is that is equal to them. Is that 7-10? That's the play-in game, seven versus ten. Uh, six eleven. No, it's it's the eleven. The eleven. It's the eleven seed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you're playing basically to play into the unless you get to game. the sixteen seed, of course. Yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. We get to play like Let's who 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 are the one uh, seeds shaping up to be. Villanova, Purdue, I think. Yeah, yeah. Purdue's Purdue's got a case. Uh, Gonzaga is gonna be gonna be sneaky, hanging around there. Michigan State. Uh, Duke, obviously. Michigan, Michigan State, State. Yeah. Usual suspects other than Purdue. Who is yeah, this is a pretty chalk season. There's um, no one like really coming out of anywhere that isn't good usually. No. Nope. Purdue's a little bit. Yeah. Still, but. still waiting for the Grayson Allen melt, meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. Arizona State was looking like that team, but but it yeah, is not, that's what I, they they they've kind of fallen off. Huh? They can, they can... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I gotta ask both <laughs> of you because I remember all three but, uh, of, all three of us were on uh, on the same wavelength when Romar was. I think it was came last March that news that Romar was leaving or was asked to leave. I guess I should say. Um, and all of us kind of were on the same. Give him the one more year with the with the premier talent. See what he can do. Do you feel like you have egg on your face now? Are you happy with with how everything's shaking out? Oh, I think I, the main thing. <laughs> I have egg on my face. I think the thing Go that ahead. happened that ahead, just Quinn, yeah. made it a hundred percent. made it a hundred percent that they made the right move was just that fact that Porter's not even playing this year. <laughs> right, right. He got back yeah. surgery. And that alone is. I mean, imagine how big a bummer that would have been if we had kept, no, not had Hopkins kept Romar, then we ended up not even getting the whole point of why we had kept him. But the, I mean, if you're, I don't think if Porter had played and looked how good Noel looked and how good Dejon Davis looks for Stanford, and and Jonte looks good, I mean, that still could have been that still could have been a really, really, really good team. So it's a little bit hard to to say what they yeah. would have done if and with a healthy Porter and those and those guys, but it's kind of. But it's turned out, you know, good for us either way. Yeah, it would have been a good good team with a, with a little bit of a ceiling on the program, and I think that's that's what the Hopkins thing yeah, is. Is definitely. you're looking at this this the shift that's going, and you're thinking that you know this is sustainable, and it's something that 
uh, that can produce some, some, some maybe some conference championships in the future. So uh, it's exciting. But yeah, uh, Michael Porter ghosting Missouri was was certainly a big development this season that, that no one saw coming. Kind of a smart thing for a kid to do, though, right? Yeah. Like if you if you are if you know you're going to the NBA next year <laughs> and you have any sort of lingering health concerns, just take your one year in college as basically a medical year. Get everything done that you need to get done medically and be strong going into the NBA draft. I think more yeah. kids should be doing that if they had the if, if they have get something you, that's lingering. Get your brother a scholarship at the the team the you know get your dad a job yeah it's it's a pretty good pretty good ploy on his part. Yeah, yeah it does, I mean it, if he had played the only thing is that I mean he's dropped a couple spots in the I mean it's a couple million dollars every spot in the draft. Mm-hmm. So if you I mean you assume someone like him would get yeah. would get lots of contracts in his career, but. That's still one consideration. If he had played really well and, yeah. and been number one, mm-hmm. given uh, you know, given the 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 assumption that that his his back is is totally fine and he'll be he'll be all right, I think uh, things will work out just fine for for Michael Porter Jr. Uh, let's yeah. move on and talk about the rest of the NFL games this weekend, and we gotta we gotta talk Super Bowl eventually. Um, this this New England Jacksonville game. I was like visibly sweating during during this game, unlike <laughs> I, I have in a while for an NFL game. <laughs> Thanks to Seahawks. My question to you guys is like, everyone's like, "Oh, Tom Brady, uh, you know what? What a champion, Danny Amendola. What a what a gritty receiver." How did Jacksonville lose that game? Given that they have one of the best defenses in recent memory, uh, and in theory, an amazing run game. Uh, with New England on the ropes, I, I I struggle to see how how they blew it this badly. It's it's the pentagram. You you made that joke earlier, but those people, Belichick, like worship <laughs> Satan. It it is absolutely a hundred percent a fact that it, they can't keep getting away with this. Have you ever seen that uh, Breaking Bad episode where like the kids crying, Aaron Paul is crying, he can't keep getting away with this? That's the Patriots every year. It's it's gotten to the point of boredom that it's not fun to watch anymore. It's the excellence is so gross. And just absolutely, it's disgusting. I don't like it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think being uh, just a cynic here, but that I think that was like the least entertaining championship Sunday I've ever watched. When it was 10, when they were down 10 points to the Dallas like, and I had the, I was, for who I was watching with a couple of people, everyone's just like, oh, we know exactly how this is, how this is going to end. Um, I don't think that I mean yeah. the Jags they, when you don't have a quarterback that can get you a first down. You know Bortles Bortles played up. well. Bortles played well in the, though. In the first half he played well. In the second half he couldn't couldn't get a first down. And then they ran out of plays. I, I don't think the Jags uh, defense was as good kind of as they were made out to be. If you look at the end of the season they got 40 whatever put on them by Garoppolo. And then they got forty something put on them by, by the Steelers last week. So I don't think they were like a, they were they're young and they're bashful. I think they're gonna, probably gonna be really good, but I think they're a, a solid defense. But they didn't get any pressure on Brady the last quarter. I mean, he they had a four man rush and tried to drop everyone, and it was I mean he just just sit back and picked, picked him apart. Him. He's yeah. yeah, he's so surgical when that happens. Is they I feel like it happened last year with. Um... Atlanta too is they've started playing not to lose and they're like okay let's just drop back our defense and not put pressure on him and when you do that he will find he will find a guy Mm -hmm. you could put 30 guys back there in the defensive secondary but he will find a guy coming open eventually you have to yeah hitting the running backs and that yeah every time 
Yeah, Brady, Brady, Brady will look those thirty guys off to the sideline and then find the one guy in the middle of the field, uh, like it's nothing. I one thing though is AJ Bouye, the 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 Jags corner opposite Jalen Ramsey. I hope that uh-huh. he's like the new uh, cushion salesman or, or or pillow salesman in Florida because he was he gave Brandon Cooks a solid fifteen yards on every single hook hook play throughout the entire yeah. game, um, and and it was just it was there, there was just some stuff that continued to happen over and over. Um, that, that was happening to Jacksonville that just made it all, all worse. I, I think that when they were driving at the end of the game and you have you have the ball with two minutes and 12 seconds left after Westbrook catches that on the sideline, you're at the 39, you need to score, and then you run four straight Blake Bortles passes when you have, like, mm-hmm. A, even if you score, you can't give Tom Brady more than, more than you know, 30 seconds yeah. left after you score. So, like, uh-huh. use the clock at that point, too. Teams just lose their minds when they play the Patriots. I saw you put that tweet out there that is very true. If the refs hadn't screwed up that fumble, the 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 Jaguars are going. The Jaguars are going to the Super Bowl. And it just feels like this happens every year with the Patriots, with the tuck and everything. You know, they just always somehow get either. I don't want to say lucky because you know you don't get lucky. Well, you do get lucky. But me, me and Quinn were actually talking about this at the bar the other day is that they always are in a position where they can get lucky. And that's what's so great about why they're so great. But they do always seem to get these things that happen to them. Yeah, well, they're just like, they're the most, everyone hates them so much, or, or I do. And Bama does this a little for me too, but they're just the, the combination of really good and really lucky. I mean, with the, from the tuck rule to to the... Yeah. Uh, that fumble right us, there. Us it's... fucking up to the Falcons just inexplicably lose, like not remembering how to play football. It's just like, oh, just, I mean, obviously they had the Giants. To the Jesse James thing. When they're, they're in so many big games and they get so, and they just have gotten lucky in so many of them that it's just like trying, people just hate them so much. And yeah, what's the narrative? We were talking about this. What's the narrative with um, the Patriots if two or three of those balls don't bounce their way and now all of a sudden Brady is two and five in the Super Bowl? He's now like, oh, is he that good? You know, it's just so crazy how these things all turn on such a small dime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's like with LeBron, it's like when when they're – Everyone was saying like LeBron, you know, God, the big three are gonna get uh, gonna get broken up in Miami. The game's over. Then Ray Allen hits like this miracle shot, and they end up winning the championship, and everything's good. It's like actually what, the same things are still happening. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that they got this miracle play by getting really lucky. It's the same thing that's happened with. I mean, if they had lost a couple of those Super Bowls, how different is the narrative now than than it is? Um, how different would it be than it is now? Right, and. And and I like this LeBron kind of parallel. If LeBron had done, obviously you can't go undefeated in the NFL or in the NBA. But if if, if LeBron had gone, those Heat teams had gone seventy two and ten and had broken the record and then lost in the finals. Oh my God! It would have it would have been that this, was, yeah. this tragic meltdown that that could never have been. But but with Brady, it's just like oh he's the, he's the best. He's the best. Even though that's <laughs> yeah. there. And and granted, you know there's there's. Five, 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 maybe six rings um, on top of that, that 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 would make him that way. But it is just funny how how you can spin it as as LeBron and, and Brady are just kind of two two equally dominant players with just different different uh, yeah. different lucks in their career. And they have the the fucking division where they just have played in the worst division in football for ten years, and that, that gives them the opportunity every, every year. Season. 
Yeah. It's, I mean, having home yeah. field advantage. It's the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Oh, the, the yeah, it is. It's like the Eastern Conference. Yeah, the parallels are, are, are strong on this. Uh, so, uh, real quick, I don't think there's much to talk about in that that Philadelphia-Minnesota game. Philadelphia is just a much better team, and, and I, I, I came in thinking that Minnesota was our best shot to beat the Patriots, but I think I was, I was just tragically wrong on that. Philly's just a, a, a secretly really good team um, that got doubted on because of the, the, the quarterback injury. However, let's let's talk about Philly as a team schematically in just a second. Why why are we rooting for Philly harder than just as hard as we might root for the Seahawks uh, in two weekends? What, what why do we hate the Pats so goddamn much? Uh, you know I'm having a hard time rooting for. I'm gonna be honest. I'm having a hard time even like caring who wins this game. I know I kind of I would rather Philadelphia win, but they are kind of a city that to me is that sports wise <laughs> is as loathsome as New England, and I just I don't I don't like them. I I know they've never won a Super Bowl. But, you know, the whole Sixers thing was fun for a while, the whole trust the process, but their fans are so just bad and annoying. And I just I don't like them much more than I like the Pats. They don't worship a false god, though. That's all I'm saying. That is true. That yeah. is true. Um, but, yeah, Philly Philly to me is not, I mean, much. I guess they've had kind of hard luck in the, in the sports world lately. They had the Phillies who, I guess, won the World Series, what, in 2009, 2010, perhaps? Yeah. I don't know, a couple of years ago, but yeah, it's been kind of a tough sledding for them recently. So yeah, I guess, I guess they're more, they kind of in, in but I think they uh, let that movie Rocky get to their head too much where they kind of champion, <laughs> champion the underdog mentality a little too hard. And it just got a little uh, played out and annoying. Like they're wearing dog masks now. It's like, that is the most heavy handed, ham fisted symbolism that I've ever seen. It just—it's all annoying to me. So I don't know. I'm rooting for them, I guess, but I'm rooting for them reluctantly. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be the most popular Super Bowl. I mean, that's if if luckily that or for the NFL, lucky that is, is that the Patriots won. I mean, if this was if this was Jags, Eagles, Bortles, Foles, I don't think I'd, I'd rather watch that. I would honestly rather watch that. Yeah, and 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 you aren't exactly uh, the mainstream sports fan, Phil. <laughs> so. <laughs> but do people enjoy watching the Patriots anymore? Seriously, well, they want they want to root against them. The people yeah, watch, same thing with Bama. That's like people watch to root against them. Yeah, I, I I can tell you a good a good corner of the country loves to root for them. I can tell you that much. Yeah, um, yeah. I can I can tell you firsthand. Uh, yeah, I think with the Pats, what what gets me the TB12 hats and just like the just the the calling of any player by their first name over and over <laughs> like the 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 fact that like he's tom. tom tom uh yeah. specifically is it's just just bothers me and then also the um the amount of patriots fans who who boycotted the nfl two years ago because of the of the <laughs> suspension. Yeah. when there are dozens of actual good reasons to boycott the nfl and they choose the the pettiest and stupidest one um and then and then show up out of nowhere for the the super bowl last year uh, I think that that is what what irks me is just this kind of consistent, like everyone's out to get us mentality when it's it's pretty much the exact opposite. So you or live in for themselves. You live right kind of in the heart of Pat's country, don't you? Well, what's funny is that the Pats branded themselves as the New England Patriots rather than the Boston Patriots for a reason, and it's because 
of the ability to tap into the Connecticut's and the New Hampshire's of the world, uh, uh, which attracts a yeah. rougher crowd than than the the the, the Boston crowd does. Um, and so it's 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 funny. Like I am, I'm I'm writing the the Pat's country, but I'm also in like you know super blue state college educated Boston mm-hmm. or you know Massachusetts. Yeah, so, most universities per capita in the world. Exactly. So it's kind of this weird dichotomy of like how the the pats are or represent that and like that's another thing too is that when the pats are on tv they cut away to like the boston harbor and to uh all these mm-hmm. boston monuments here's the like blue collars yeah blue collar kind of areas and they they play in foxborough which is in the freaking woods 100 miles away from boston <laughs> really i yeah. didn't i didn't know how far away that was foxborough i don't know i'm no, not up on my new england geography Fo- foxborough is nowhere near seattle it's like if, if we if we were playing in olympia is it really that far? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. I it well though. Um. So when you let me keep asking you the questions because I'm interested to get in the mind of a Patriots fan. When you go out, <laughs> not you obviously, but I know you have experience. No, with no, give, give it to him, Phil. Um. When you go out, do you watch these games at like sports bars, or or do you kind of watch them at home? Uh, so I watched the Jags game at home, but I was watching the Titans game at a, a bar in in like the the Boston College area. So pretty are, pretty pretty young place. And the, what are uh, the fans like? Yeah, tell me. Detail the experience for me. They're all wearing Gronk jerseys, all of them, or Brady jerseys. Uh, and does anyone ironically wear like Aaron Hernandez jerseys? Because I think that would be detestable too. <laughs> those those people don't live in Boston. They the, those people aren't ironic about it and they live they live elsewhere but i there, there's this kind of pat's mentality of like you you watch you know a quarter of the game of like 95 percent of the games you they play you just watch like a half and then you just don't care anymore because uh, they're up by so much exactly exactly so that's what it was against the titans so it wasn't a good good section of like i haven't, I haven't done the full sports bar for like an intense patriots game but i also think i would have i would have left that scene in a black eye i with the titans game i, I, I wasn't i wasn't clapping uh because i was like outnumbered i don't know like 800 to one but uh but i would just like slap my my thigh whenever i was excited as if i was calling a dog just to not draw attention to myself um but uh but yeah i i've really accepted this role of just being like the 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 anti-pat around here we need it. You you are like our little pioneer out there. We need you to yeah. we need you to hold down the fort. Our, yeah. our vegetarian pioneer. <laughs> uh, are you tw- a vegetarian too, dude? Twenty one days strong. Are you, Phil? Let's go. Yeah. Twenty one days. <laughs> yeah, I relapsed after after we we. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, late December I had to for for going home for a pot roast and stuff like that. I I, I couldn't. Uh, do it yeah, anymore. I mean that happens during the holidays and stuff. I think so. Yeah. Keep your head up. Keep going. Yeah, it's it's be, by no reason is it is it because of anything I've read in a Tom Brady book that has made me do that. Um, I, I promise you that. Just watch some of those Netflix documentaries, though. That'll if that doesn't scare you, that <laughs> that that is I don't know what to say. This or is me. A, se- uh, a separate pod. Yeah, Quinn was uh, <laughs> Quinn was was pretty pretty was disgusted, disappointed. <laughs> the word with me when when we went out to Beth's and I I didn't get any meat. Good for you. Way to stay strong. I don't know. I'm, I'm proud letting, of you. I'm, let, I'm letting Quinn down, and that's that's really bothering me. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Yeah. Phil doesn't smoke anymore. You don't eat meat. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing around here? Yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, does does Philly have a chance in the Super Bowl? Or are we just kidding ourselves? 
No, they, I, no, I'm going to make it short. They have no chance. And if they do, I, I, I don't know. I, I, you could, I don't want to say, like, I'll go streaking Nate because anything can happen any given Sunday, you know, whatever. Your, but your no. neighbors don't want you to say that you would go streaking Nate. <laughs> no, they don't have a chance. Um, plain and simple, it's going to be. I think I, I would think they, ha- they do have a chance, depending on how. I mean, it just depends on how, how Foles plays. I think I ref- that, that, de- that defense is, I mean, the Jags, <laughs> if the Jags are up 10 points in the fourth quarter and the Jags are not good, a good football team, they were losing to or tied with Buffalo in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. A mere two weeks ago, if they can, if they can be up with ten points on the Pats. Now, I can they the Eagles can they be up ten points or can they finish? You know, that's the thing. Yeah, but I just refuse to believe that. You never know. Yeah, the the defense will help them finish for sure and help them keep kind of mitigate some of the the eventual second half Brady momentum when it does come. Um, But it's just it's just. It's similar to how Atlanta could kind of hit New England in the mouth last last year in that game was you know they had so much ready for them they they had this perfect game plan and then after that you know first first half first three quarters and that game plan erodes and you just kind of react in the game then it's what you do so we'll see um, I think I think Philly's got a shot I would take them to to, to cover but uh, my question to you guys is what what lead would you be comfortable with if you are an Eagles fan? And how much time would have to be left for you to think that you have that game sewn up? Probably around like I don't know. I'll just throw a random score like twenty-eight to three with like three minutes left in the third quarter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, something like that. No, I I I honestly don't know. It's like they. It's like that. You know, Mike Tyson. That old Mike Tyson saying like everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah, like the Philly could be up by like twenty points, but. You know, then here comes Tom Brady. He's going to, oh, oh, God, he's doing it. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then eventually it's like the cascading effect where, yeah, we're going to lose. Like, it's just, I don't think any lead is safe, really. Those demonic forces are just too powerful. Yeah, it's serious. The, the good thing that I think that Philly has that will give him a chance is that they have a really good pass rush, which is how the the formula has been to beat the the Patriots. And with Long and Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, and those guys can get after the quarterback. And that's what the that's what the Falcons did to start the game last year, so that's what they're gonna have to do. They have to do it for all four quarters and, instead of what the Jags did and not getting after him for the last quarter and a half, just letting him sit back there. But my question is, did you ever seriously think the Jaguars were gonna win that game? I wanted yes. it. I really wanted it. I really just knew it was not gonna happen. Uh, yeah, I no, I didn't. I didn't really think that they were gonna win. Once, once Miles Jack got that fumble, I, I, that's when like peak probably. If you look at the the ESPN like win probability thing, which is an absolute sham, but it, it, ca- God, it captures like bad. it captures your your pulse pretty well at least. It yeah. was definitely when it was when it was the highest, and all they had to do then was execute. But the problem was that you're relying on on Blake Bortles to execute. And yeah, exactly. They they go three and out immediately after that, and that kind of told you everything about what was about to happen. So I could probably say the same thing about Nick Foles, though, right? Like, you're going to be relying on Nick Foles to execute a four-minute, you know, uh, drive or, like, kill the clock four-minute. If there's uh-huh. – let's say they're up they're up seven with four minutes left. Am I trusting Nick Foles to kill or squeeze the air out of the football and go home with a championship? No. All yeah. I'm saying is I that think I that, have the... – I think that, that offense is better, though, as a whole. I think Doug yeah. Peterson's a better play caller. He's, he has a lot more ingenuity in him than who's calling plays yeah. for Jacksonville. And they have better, way better wide receivers. They have a really good tight end. And they have good running. So, mm-hmm. 
while they're not, I mean, I think they're a better team than the Jags, and the Jags had, a, had every shot to beat the Patriots. So I wouldn't say it's it's out of the question for them to Yeah, the, to the fact the that Philly can the, go. The luck has to run out here at some point. The fact that Philly can go, can go LeGarrette Blunt, Jay Ajayi, and Corey Clement, and that's like mm-hmm. three different styles offensively for, for their running backs yeah. is, is huge. And I think that. Yeah, that, they do give was, some good looks, don't they? That was part of the problem with Atlanta is that they, they didn't really have like the, the, the pound it guy and like Devontae Freeman is just kind of a like he's good but he's he's a part of a like a shotgun offense type of thing so they, they, and can, then they, just, they can and then they just didn't run it for a quarter when they were up uh, yeah exactly they, they can flip the game but all I'm saying is that I totally have the the counter narrative ready if if the Eagles get blown out that two of Brady's Super Bowls came against uh, Nick Foles and Jake Delhomme I, I have it ready yeah that's good that's a good one because I'm gonna probably have to use that did they even yeah. get like a ring for this year Are you fucking kidding me you play against Mariota Mariota Bortles and, then, and, and then you're getting Foles or Keenum and they got Foles I mean this is a joke. It's the yeah. weirdest like NFL season. Which makes me feel like I know this is I'm just gonna loop this back around to the Seahawks for a second. Let's just say things go differently week seventeen. We sneak out a win. Uh the Falcons lose. Are you telling me we couldn't have made the Super Bowl this year? Like with the w- what our competition was in front of us? It doesn't look that hard. If we had home game if we were at home, I think we you know, that's but I don't think we would have could have gone to oh, Minnesota or gone to Philly and, and beat them. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw exactly what like if we were home, Philly came in fully healthy against us, and in, in, in that Sunday night game, uh, and and you saw what happened, and that was kind of the only situation where where that could be replicable because we just weren't good enough in the games we were supposed to win throughout the season. So, uh, it, frustrating Hawks season, maybe maybe a frustrating Super Bowl. Hope not. Um, we've we've effectively killed the, the the grab bag section that we had planned. There's, too much time has, has passed, so I'm gonna do to Phil yeah, who had it like this, who had this really nice uh, thing planned. I'm gonna do to to Phil what what uh, Jimmy Kimmel does to Ben or uh, Matt Damon all the time of like, oh, we just ran out of time. Uh, <laughs> so so we will save that story for a different day, uh, uh, okay, or you can just check you can check you can check Phil's Phil's Twitter account for. for oh, are you uh, plugging yeah. me on Twitter? Yes, I've always yeah. wanted you to plug me. Check on him Twitter. out on Twitter. And he also needs yeah. a cameraman for a. Uh, a short buddy. He won't pay you. It's it's a passion project. Yeah, it's Promoter. Cinema Verite, so you don't get paid for Cinema Verite. Anyway, <laughs> hey, it was nice to chat with you. Yeah, great. Uh, great. Will actually, right there is the is the buzzer beat. Um, so good. Good to talk to you both. Um, we will uh, we'll tune in for how well our predictions go. But um, oh, the cops but... are here for someone. Time to look. Oh, it's for me. It's outside my window. Yeah. But I also live right next to a homeless shelter. So <laughs> Not in it. Not in it. <laughs> Not in it. Next to it. Yeah. Not uh, yet. Anyway. All right. Yeah. All right, guys. Take it easy. All right. See A very large thank you to my guests, Quinn Sterling and Phil Smeraldo, for coming on and doing what they do best, making me laugh and talking about sports. Uh, Stay tuned for more Super Bowl stuff throughout the next couple weeks and some big-time guests hopefully coming your way. Peace!